The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The More You Noble. I am Mike Noble, and you can follow us on Twitter at more underscore noble. I am joined alongside of me by Caleb Noble. You can follow me on Twitter at Caleb Noble 08. And we are super, super excited as today, nine days until football season. And we are joined by fantasy football guru, not just fantasy football guru, also football football guru good lord words are fun today the man the myth you can follow him at matt Two frosty he lives frosty evidently and lead writer for ff league winners and our friend friend of the show matt seward matt what's up buddy not much how are you this evening we are doing fantastically well nine days till football buddy i'm excited i i can't keep counting on the days it's almost here yeah, it's really, really exciting today, obviously, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, but it was cut down day, so a lot flurry of activity in the NFL today, um, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but how are things going with you? It's good. I just started school back up, so I'm uh, focused on that a lot recently, but I'm going to keep in the mindset with football coming back up that it's time to grind, time to put out some, some amazing content for the people that need it. Fantastic. And uh, we might as well go ahead and say we're pretty geeked. Uh, Matt's going to be joining us. If not, I know he's got a busy schedule. He has a lot of people to full, you know, keep happy with his fantasy picks. But he is going to be joining the show regularly for our Football Fridays and be a big part of that with his help everybody out, hopefully make some money with their, their, their re- weekly, yearly leagues, but also f- football DFS. So, Matt, we're pretty excited about that, bud. Yeah, that's going to be an awesome time. I'm excited for that. Uh, I think it's going to be a good opportunity to help some people with their, you know, weekly, weekly, uh, week to week decisions. So it'll be a good time. I'm going to be honest. I plan on taking FanDuel down this year for something big. (laughs) It wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. (laughs) It would not. I don't have enough money to be expending (laughs) on on hunches, so I might be out on that. Oh, Uh, hey, let's start. Let's we are going to focus on football for a little bit. But Caleb, you want to lead us into the Cardinals? Right now, we sit. 2.5 2.5 games back, two and a half games back of the wild card. We said two and a half back, and on, on the surface, that sounds great. It sounds way better than what they deserve to be. And if the Potters were anything close to what we expected this year, they would be 15 and a half out. The problem is, and this is going to be the problem at the end of the year, especially if they don't make the postseason or if they have a late push on them and they're close at the end, they should be in this, they should be in the second wild card spot by six, seven games easily. I'm sure the Padres feel the same way, but good God, how do you blow so many games? How do so many different people cost you on a daily basis? Except for last night, but if Wainwright's not pitching, it's like the whole team sweeps and hopes that maybe they get a win by their name. I, I don't understand how so many how so many people <laughs> on the team can let you down so consistently. It is everyone except for Paul Goldschmidt and Adam Wainwright. I love Jack. He's getting hurt too much. It's it's at the point of almost being like, I can't even believe it at this point that so many people on the team cost you games. Like it's not like they make an error in the third inning that costs a run. It's, it's like always in a big situation. It's always and the thing that's ridiculous to me is we face teams that don't even give a shit. The Pirates don't care. <laughs> they're just here to get their paycheck and hope that next year is better, which it won't be because their organization is trash. But they can come back from down seven. Cardinals are down three later in that game, and it doesn't even look like they have a shot, but they're playing for something. 
So how? What is the disconnect right. between you who has who's playing for something and a team who's playing so that they don't get hurt, so their arbitration deals don't go down, and they want to go into free agency and spend time in the Bahamas or something for three months before they have to get back to their shit show that's going to happen again next year? How? <laughs> I don't understand it. I Matt, can't even explain it. All right, Matt, help us out here. What's happening with the Cardinals? I think it's a major disconnect between the players and the front office. I think that they had a window. They should have capitalized on a chance to maybe compete this year and to win this year. And I believe some of those players might be upset that they didn't. I mean, you could have had a Trevor story on the team. And I don't, I don't know what happened if there were trade talks. They just didn't go through. But there was no excuse that John Lester was the biggest acquisition of the, of the, of the season. Like, that's just no excuse. You're not putting any faith in your players who were, what, we sat like, what was it, five, six games out at the deadline? Yep. It's just, it's, it's a major disconnect. The players don't look like they want to play. The front office doesn't look like they want to compete. But yet they're paying money, burning money up in Arenado and, and Goldie the next few years. You're going to have to compete. You got to make a decision. So, and and if you look at the Yankees, who are sitting in about the same spot we were, they were worse. They in, were in a very tough worse. division, also. And when you're looking at Tampa Bay, they were staring up at Tampa Bay and Boston at the time. They go out. They had Joey Gallo, they had Anthony Rizzo, who obviously has had the COVID issues and has been out a little bit. They had Andrew Haney, and, and now they're sitting. They're, they're 21 games over 500. All of a sudden, you can't tell me that those moves didn't jazz that lineup. And that and that it changed the culture completely. And I I honestly think that the front office of the Cardinals was was betting on the fact that the Padres were going to be the Padres, and we were going to look up and end the season and be twelve games out and be like, well, we didn't have a chance. Well, guess what? It didn't happen. We had Trevor Story on this team, and you're going to sit here and tell me that with the play. I love Edmundo Sosa, but come on. Paul DeYoung and Mundo Sosa, that combination, if you had Trevor Story there every day, if you're telling me that that wouldn't have at least added two to three wins to this team in big situations where you have a big hit or whatever the case is, because we've been in a lot of close games they've lost, then like, if nothing we could else, be in the wild card right now if they would have made it. It gets Yadier Molina out of the five hole, which I know he has been. I know that O'Neill's sitting there now. But, yeah, man, I'm with you, buddy. I, I, I thought for sure, and I guess the reports came out that there were discussions on uh, – Story, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I, like you said, I don't know how deep they went. Yeah, and it's just – it's something that Cardinals fans, we keep saying to ourselves every – even offseason, we're like, we need to get one more guy. We need to get this guy. These are the moves we need, we need to make. And those – the moves that I've heard a majority of Cardinals fans say we need to make are the right ones. I've seen people say add another starter, add a guy that can bat fit, add another bat. I think those are all smart moves that we have yet addressed – at all we haven't John Lester is not a guy that's going to be in a big moment in a big playoff game when you need him he's just not right and every game has been a playoff game for us since the beginning of August so it doesn't make sense to me what direction they want to go in if it doesn't it's not beneficiary to anybody it's not beneficial at all you either want to win and compete and win or get as much for your assets as you can with Arenado and Goldschmidt eating up another year of time they're not doing that yeah, I, I mean, we talked about this last time when we had Mike on, Mike Godar on, and, and I'm all on the board with, with Scherzer, but I, I, it can't be just Scherzer. It can't be just the shortstop either. That's the thing. Like, I feel like Mo went out, and, and again, they dealt with COVID last year. They dealt with all those problems. I understand the lack of revenue. So I, I, I get it. I understand it. I'm, we're not, we don't have the Dodgers money, so I understand that. However, it, like, it feels like we got Nolan, and then John sat back and bought a bunch of bow ties and smoked a cigar. 
and said, this is what we did. Look, you can't be mad. I got Nolan Arenado, which exactly. I love. Like, I, I'm not I'm not taking a dig at that. But I, I think you've got to go address the – I mean, the rotation needs to be addressed. I, and I think I think one major arm helps it. But I think you're – especially if the DH comes in, you have to add two bats to this lineup. You, you almost have to. I don't know if you need two. I think I think well, I think it'd be ridiculous to say that Dylan Carlson doesn't get better next year. He's 22. He has not even close to his prime yet. I think it's ridiculous to say Tyler O'Neill hasn't proven that he's going to continue to get better. Bader's Bader. They're going to keep playing him. I wish, whatever. I mean, if he's your nine hitter going to the next year, you're fine. Tommy, we've seen what he can do if he stays consistent. Maybe he can turn a corner. But other, than, I they need a shortstop. It's plain and simple. If they don't get a shortstop next year, I'm out. I'm out on them because if they don't get a shortstop next year, then they are blatantly not caring about what they need to do to win. And I think you also have to, especially if we add the DH. And again, if it's Pujols against lefties, I'm fine with that. I don't think that's going to cost you a lot of money. But then you have to address if it's Lars against righties, that's fine. But I don't think you can have Pujols slash Lars, Tommy, Bader, and an aging Yachty extending at your bottom of your lineup and still think that you could compete with the nope. big boys in the National League. You're what do you think, Matt? I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. I think that in the day and age of baseball we're in, we're seeing almost super teams form. If we're going to want to compete, you're going to have to match that. I agree. I agree. And, and you know, and I, I, I am a Nolan Gorman fan, but we don't know what to expect from Nolan Gorman. If, he, if, he, if he's your everyday second baseman or not next year, we don't know what that looks like. Again, we have seen a lot. I mean, it's hard. Mike Trout came up and got sent back down within three months or two months. We saw Kellenic come up. I mean, We've seen top prospects come up, and they're not automatically great. Juan Soto is sort of an anomaly when it comes to that. So I'm hoping that Nolan right. is great. But I don't think you can count on – on now we're counting on – I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that, That's not a long lineup again, and that's what has hurt this team all year long is our shortened ability of our lineup. To, uh, we just don't extend anything. If we get a hit or two, we're waiting on a home run to get runs. You, you need a lineup to where you've got guys – who are putting up – I mean, the, the stat came out this morning. Corey Seager has an 803 OPS. It's the lowest among the eight starters on the Dodgers. We have three guys <laughs> over 800 in our entire team. And I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying about the Gorman situation and not relying on him to be a star immediately. But you got to give the dude a chance. He's got some growing pains. So what I'm saying is you cannot put get three guys in there and say, sorry, Gorman. We don't think you're going to be good immediately, so we're never going to play. That's not what I was saying. This, this well, is, well, here's what I'm saying: if Nolan's in there, then Tommy's not. So that's fine. If that if you switch those, you still need you still need another bat in there. I mean, we can't just pencil in Albert for 35 home runs in the DH spot along with Lars. That's just not going to so happen. So why would you not go into the year with Gorman and Pujols as your DH options? See what they do, and then address that later. I think you need a shortstop, and I think you need two or three bullpen arms. Because I well, think their rotation, they have multiple guys that they're going to be looking at to put in there. And I think they can go off of that. But right now, if they go get Max Scherzer, that's all they're doing. If they haven't proven anything to you, then they've proven that. And what I'm so telling they, you is – they're not going to. And, and what I'm also saying is if they go get a shortstop, that's all. it can't be all they do. If it's not Max Scherzer and somebody else, I understand that. But it has to be multiple filling guys who can produce at the big league level. What do you think, Matt? I actually 100% agree with you. So this is the thing, right? And I, I love Nolan Gorman. I think he is going to be a, a, a star. I think he's going to be a great player. But you have to make a decision because if you're going to wait for Gorman to become a star, that's going to be around the time Arenado and Goldschmidt exit their primes and exit the moment that you could have won a championship. So you have to prioritize what you want to do. If Gorman and Libertor and Plummer and Austin Dean and those, and those kind of guys are the future of this team and you want to focus on them, 
then maybe it's time we shut this this whole business down with Arenado and Goldschmidt. You just have to make a decision. I'm not saying that's the right one, but you have to make a decision because waiting and sitting for Gorman to become a, a Wander Franco or a Juan Soto is just not going. It's not a, a smart bet to make. Well, I did, I disagree with that a lot actually. I I think the re, the thing you just said is what they've been doing the whole time. They have been either waiting for guys to come up and be good, and they've been keeping them down way too long, or they've been bringing them up and they destroy their confidence. I think <laughs> I think Nolan I think Nolan Gorman. So, well, let me talk. Don't laugh at me. No, I'm I not think, laughing at you. I'm think, laughing at those two things. I, that's what they've done. I I'm not arguing. I think I think you have to give Nolan Gorman a chance. And for me, all these guys have guys come up and produce immediately. All around the league. There's not one team almost, it seems like. And Wander Franco, by the way, bad 250. So let's chill out. Yeah, but again, again, he's but, playing every day. Nolan Gorman is the top-rated second baseman in all baseball in the minor leagues. If you're telling me you're not going to give that dude a chance, who was playing second base every day for the Dodgers, the team that you're so loving, every day for the first three months? I think, you're missed, I think you've missed what I said. I am all for giving Nolan Gorman the chance to play every day. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is you still have Yachty. Bader, an unproven Nolan Gorman, who I hope is great. And then you still, I mean, we still have a lot of question marks. If you go into next year by not addressing two bats that can play every day, if our seven, eight, nine guys are uh, Gorman, no, if our, if our seven, eight, nine guys are Yachty, Gorman, and Bader, I'll live with that if the other six are high OPS guys. So we can't have, we can't have seven guys, six guys in our lineup with 700 OPSs again next year. It just can't happen no. and expect to compete at a high level, no matter who's in our starting rotation. So I guess what I'm asking you is, then who do you want gone? Do you want Tommy gone? Do you want Dylan Carlson gone? Do you want Goldie gone? Oh. What about Nolan? Okay. Do you want Tyler O'Neill gone? That's the top five next year. Okay, I'm, I'm again, what I'm saying is you have to take those four. Tommy's, I, I have said, I've said it, friend, you get mad at me, but I've said it forever, he's a 714 OPS. Tommy is best, to, and I know he was just player of the month, Shout out to him. Player of the week. Player of the week. I apologize. Shout out to him. All right. However, I think he's best suited as a as a role guy here who plays two to three to four times a week, but also comes in as a pinch hitter that can get on base, that can steal base, play some defense for you. You you have to I think you have to upgrade at shortstop. And then if you're not going to add another DH at a big time bat, then we have to start thinking about moving on from Harrison Bader and moving Dylan Carlson to center field. And to me, a guy like Michael Conforto or somebody like that makes perfect sense. It's another left-handed bat. Yes, he's had a down year, but over his career, and, and the Mets have had a down year offensively as a whole, uh, as, as a, for his career, oh, way over 800 OPS. We're talking about a guy who can hit. He's a good defender, and that automatically makes your lineup so much longer. Now you've got Tommy on the bench. You've got uh, Lars on the bench. You might have uh, one of these, yep, is it Yepis? I could be pronouncing that wrong. Yepis, right. Yepis, who is tearing the ball, tearing up, tearing up everything in the minors. You've got a lot of guys sitting there. But yeah, you can have some young guys on your bench, I think. But what you can't have is all of them in your lineup not producing. And that's all I'm saying is that a guy like Conforto coming off a bad year might not cost you a lot. And look, Harrison Bader plays elite defense. I think he leads the league in runs saved in the outfield. I love that, and I think he has a pretty good war because of his defense. However, if he's going to continue to have a one good three-week stretch a year, I don't think that guy can be in your lineup every single day. He can be, and here's why I'll tell you why. Cody Bellinger, terrible hitter right now. He's one of the worst. He still plays every day for the best team in baseball, batting eight. He also so, has an 800-and-something OPS. There's no way. He definitely he's does. He's batting under 200, so you can go look. Also, 
Who who um was the center fielder for the Rays last year? Well, they, when they went to the World Series. Okay, we don't have the Rays pitching. What are you talking about? I want to say we I want to I want to change. What Matt? So my thought process is I think shortstop is an obvious need, but something again I think that you you uh Sorry, you you hit on the, the head was that I think we do need another outfielder, an everyday outfielder. I think either Bader or Carlson, whoever has the most trade value, should be a number one chip in getting an elite outfielder. I think that's what we're missing. Tyler O'Neill is a star; he's great, but he's not an elite. He's not the elite outfielder. I think if you can package together a Carlson in a compensation pick or or Bader in a pick or something and go get the elite outfielder, I think that should be a move. Carlson should not be touched right now. But I do believe Bader has to be on okay, the trade Bader, block. Bader can be on the trade block. I would also push back on Tyler O'Neill not being a star. He's top in the league. Oh, he's so a star. He's not elite. He's a, he is elite. He's not yet. He's elite in terms of every advanced he metric there is. He's, he's, hitting one, he's hitting 147 with runners in scoring position. Okay, that, that's so he's I not. I think he's elite with runners in scoring position. But also, Carl, if, if they trade Carlson, once again, I'm out. I don't think they're trading Dylan Carlson. You know, he's 22 years old. I don't think old. Dylan Carlson's going He's a switch-hitting outfielder, yeah. plays above average defense, and is, takes some of the best at-bats I've seen in guys. After the Gritchick fam, a Rosa Marina, a Dolores Garcia debacle, and I don't Vader, think that happens. Also, I, my I first of all, hold on. My apologies. Cody Bellinger does not have an 800. No, it's under 600. It, it is. I, I forgot that he was hurt for a while. That is my apologies. So I take that back. <laughs> I don't think hurt for a while is what you should say. I think the fact that he has 257 at bats and has been absolutely yeah, atrocious. He has been <laughs> correct. You are correct. You are correct. But either way, he will be playing center field every day in the playoffs for that team. That is correct. Because why his defense? And if he runs the one, he runs into one, and it's a positive. That is so correct. So saying you are right. to set one player on your team that can be that guy. A lot of teams have that that are really good. Okay, you're going back, and this is well, – I want to move on to football here in a minute. But you're going back to what my original point was, that, yes, you can have one of those guys. You, need you that. can't have your six, seven, eight, nine hitters be under – be in the low 700s for your OPS. If it's Bader, okay. That's one guy. But you can't have Yachty, who's had a 500-and-something OPS over the last two and a half months. You can't have him in there with DeYoung. You can't have him in there with, with Tommy. You can't have him in there with, with Law, a slice of Lars and Albert. I like those guys, but those are, again, you just can't do that and win at a high level. You're just not going to be able to because we don't have Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff in our rotation, and we don't have Hader, Devin, and all those guys in the bullpen either. And that's what Tampa Bay had last year was they had guys yep. up and down that rotation all from one to 12 on that in that roster who could come in and get a strikeout at any point in time that they needed. We do not have that. So, yes, if you have Kevin Kiermaier in center field slash Harrison Bader, but you have that rotation, you can get away with a few other guys in there that are not hitting. That's all I'm saying is that I believe to win, to win, yes, you have to have pitching. And, and we might have something good coming next year. I don't know. We don't know what that looks like. But you also have to be able to score runs, especially in the National League Central, where there is no pitching except except for Milwaukee. Okay, well, I've got two things on that, and then I'll, I'll, we can move on. Um, I agree. I think our pitching is going to be much better last year to not recognize the injuries this year. Everything that's happened now. That's, been a, that's a factor. Dakota Hudson being back and being your three next year is huge. Jack Flaherty, hopefully, knock on wood, being healthy all year. You can say the same about Hudson. You can say the same about every pitcher in baseball. Right, obviously. And – Every and then you go down the list. We want to make Alex Reyes start or whatever. Jordan Hicks will be back, so that's obvious. That's already going to improve without making an addition. So I would I would think making an addition would be good. But I think the number one thing you have to get a shortstop. 
if they get a shortstop, a top tier shortstop, I'm talking Seager, Correa, or Story. I love Marcus Simeon, but I think he'd be flat out terrible in this ballpark. I also don't think he's leaving Toronto. But I think if you get one of those three guys, it lengthens that lineup. It gives, it takes the pressure off some of the young guys who are having to bat second, who are having to bat fifth, who are having to be the guy because they're always in close games because they can't score more than four runs. It alleviates everything, and you have to give the guys like Libertor and Gorman a chance because you can't keep waiting. I agree. Those guys are ready now. They I have to be in there next year. I, I agree. And if they're with not, you. that'd be ridiculous because then they're never going to have the chance to do what you said about Mike Trout, but just come up and fail so they can come back and be good. Which tells me again that I think, and, and then I'm at Ali, you have the last word on this, which tells me that I think you have to have a frontline starter to go with Hudson and Jack. But then the question gets to who are you going to take out of your rotation? Well, here's the thing. I, that, again, We'll let them worry about that. And, again, there could be a trade made, guys. One thing that the Cardinals have been really good at, Mosaic hasn't been really big in the free agent market, are trades outside of some of the, the bad ones that we, we all know about. I don't know about that. They're pretty it, good. They have an elite rotation right now if they didn't make one. Correct. But at the time, and here's the thing, at the time we got to Zuna, I was excited. I thought he was going to be part of our plans. He obviously was not part of our plans. He was great in the playoffs. He had one pretty good year. The other one was not great. And then now looking back, whatever. But getting Goldie and, and Arenado is huge. Yeah. Matt, last word. Yeah, I agree. I just, I just want to see the Cardinals front office take a direction uh, with the rest of this season and the, and the uh, upcoming offseason. I want to see a, a firm direction on what they want to do next year. Yeah, I th- I, and I think that's all. The, and also, and I'm sorry, I said this was your last word, but I just want to add to it. And you, you can add to this, too. I think that's, as fans, one, we're spoiled in St. Louis. Like, since 1996. I mean, I, I grew up in the after the 87 era, 87 to 96, 95, really. And it was we're talking terrible baseball. We were out of it by June, right? And when Tony came in 96, he gave like gave me and their fans the best 15 years of our lives. And then even the last 10 years after that, won a World Series appearance, which we could have probably had more, multiple playoff uh, things. But it just feels like every year we're one player short. or And it just feels right now like we're three. I still think we're two bats in, a, in an arm short. That, that's just where I that's, – that's how I see it. And look, if Bader turns a corner and becomes a 280 hitter, then maybe then we've got something. I just don't see that in his pedigree right now. I'm not arguing that, and I also don't see that. But I, I think you have to give those guys who have proven that they can. Like Tommy has had stretches where he's proven he's a really, really good hitter. Like I mean, like elite level hitter. He has the second it's last most, week. He, no, he has the second most hits in all of the National he League. He does in the leadoff spot. And he was out of the National League leadoff spot for a month. Yeah. So he has proven that he is a good hitter. Does he have things to work on? Yeah, the dude's twenty-five. Give him time. You have, you cannot, I, I you think, cannot, you cannot. If you see something in a player, you cannot just say, "Well, you did this last year, so go." You can't. You cannot do that. Um, no one wins like I that. Get it. Look at how bad Houston was when they first called up all of their stars, I, and then they let them become okay. Stars. But we're not Houston. We didn't rebuild. We didn't have five number one picks. We're not Houston. So that's not an that's not an argument for me. The last thing I'll say is I think what and this goes back to what Matt said earlier. We can't keep giving them time. Nolan and Goldie, years older, you just can't keep giving them time and say, keep giving these six guys time. We'll get there. Next thing you know, Nolan is 36, or Goldie's 36, and Nolan's 33, and now we're looking at guys on the decline of their career, but maybe Bingo. a few rookies who are playing well. That's all I'm saying. Bingo. So that, that's where I'm at. Hey, we're all, we're, the, the best thing is this is what makes, makes it great to be fans. But I, I think that there, there has to be a clear direction in the offseason. And that's what I would like to see. And I agree, and I think everyone agrees. In my, in my opinion, it starts at shortstop, and, and, and I still think you need one more on. But that's just me. 
I, so, I agree. I just don't think we're as far off as you guys do. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad because Krabby, Krabby Caleb the other day, I, I thought the <laughs> might have been sinking a little bit. No, I so was it's nice to have you back. Welcome back. I, <laughs> to be honest with you, I would love to see this team make the playoffs for fun, but I also really, really hope they don't because then they're going to have to redress something. Yeah. Because yeah. they can't be like, we made the playoffs. Well, don't. Don't make the playoffs. <laughs> if, you're, if you're them, honestly, start. maybe they're throwing games. Maybe that's what it is. Like, we need more players next year. Yeah, Reyes has been on the phone with a few guys. He's making some shit happen. You leave Alex Reyes. <laughs> All right, man, let's, let's, switch, let's switch gears to football, and let's start at the college level. Um, hey, first of all, shout-out to the Illini. Brett Bielema, 1-0. I don't know what Most boring say. game I've ever, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we at the game, and she said, this is the most boring football game I've ever been to. But that's what you get when you watch Nebraska. And what, what happened to Scott Frost? How is he so bad now? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not... <laughs> right, that's what everybody's saying. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk. Look, I was just excited that the Illini started with, you know, years of desperation, <laughs> that bad football, 1-0, and undefeated right now. Yep. Undefeated. It was, it'll last maybe – they play South Carolina soon, I know, so it's not uh, – No, Eastern plays South Carolina. Oh, Illinois does not. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the playoff run is happening. Illinois lost what, Matt? I said the playoff run is happening. Yes, it's on. It is on. We're ranked number one right now. If there were a poll, they should be number one. All right, let's talk. A little, let's talk a little Big Twelve football. First of all, I might be I might be in the minority here with all of us. I love the Big Twelve, even though there's only te- ten teams in the Big Twelve, right? I love it because I love offense in in the NFL, and there is nothing but offense in the Big Twelve. I, so. What do you think, Matt? What, what, like, what are your thoughts on the Big Twelve? What, what? Are, let's talk about this a little bit. Yeah, the, the Big Twelve this year is going to be just another year of offensive explosions, kind of like you mentioned. Uh, Oklahoma, I expect Oklahoma's offense to to still be one of the top in the country at scoring. It's going to be a fun year for college football, especially with all the talk of merging conferences and and basically creating one entire league and. It's, it's interesting the, the route college football seems to be going in, and I'm just excited to watch these kids play. For most of them, it might be their final season, or some, for most of them, they could be punching their ticket to the NFL. So it, it's always a good time, and as a, as a dynasty fantasy football player, I pay, I pay quite a bit of attention to college football, try to get the best on who's going to be good in the NFL, try to get my, my scouting out there and do what I can do and trust my eyes and the people I'm close to. So it's going to be a fun year. Football is always the best time of year, so – College, NFL, I'm ready for it. The Big Twelve, it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun to watch. It's funny as I was looking at some of the stuff today, like you know, every every article is all about every team's offense. <laughs> like on the defense, yeah. there's a few guys. Like Iowa State's got a couple guys. Texas has a couple dudes that uh, you know, a rookie here and there, or a freshman. Everything is their offense. And and Iowa State, I mean, shout out to them last year. Last year also Big Twelve five and zero in bowl games. But Iowa State's got a couple Heisman contenders in Brock Purdy and, and uh, Brees Hall. So they're always fun to watch. Um, I don't know what Lincoln Riley puts in the water once the quarterbacks come to Oklahoma. <laughs> but, I mean, I got to believe Probably Spencer. Sarah's. I mean, I, as a dynasty fan and as a college football fan, I got to believe Spencer Rattler could be one of those guys that's the next big thing coming into the NFL out of the Lincoln Riley school of, of Hall of Famers. Yeah, I love, I, love, I love what I've seen from Spencer Rattler in the past. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. He's uh, a top QB on the board, a top player on the big board for most NFL scouts at this point in the stages. So another guy I'm keeping my eye on is a running back from my Iowa State, Brees Hall. Yeah. He's, he's my number one guy running back for fantasy coming out so far. I really like everything I've seen on Brees Hall. 
Uh, he's explosive. He's quick. He's a big play machine. So I'm excited to see what that Iowa State that we saw David Montgomery come from there, who just posted a top five fantasy season. So it's going to be fun to see that offense and how he how he fares this year as well. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, I mean, they've got five teams in the top 30. Now, obviously, when we're AP, we look at the top 25. And uh, currently, you've got Oklahoma at number two, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're, they're a perennial championship contender. Yep. Um, but I think Iowa State could be one of those teams that sneaks in there. Uh, Texas at 7-3. and three, Anytime you go out and get Steve Starkeesian, the offense is going to be fun, right? Yeah, it's going to – Oklahoma is going to be real fun to watch this year. Uh they, they got some players there, and it's led by Spencer Rattler, who's, again, one of the top QB prospects in, in all of football, all of college football right now. So that that Oakland offense is going to have to roll and roll to try to beat another team like Alabama or Clemson. But um, I would love to see it personally. So let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Texas does at quarterback. I mean, they've always had the court. It just seems like every year there's a stud quarterback. I mean, obviously it's Texas football. They yeah. should have a stud quarterback every year. And, you know, they lose Erlinger. He's he's with Indianapolis now. Um, and they've got the two young guys there. TCU, I think they could surprise some teams this year. You get past West Virginia, and the Big 12 is absolute garbage. It's really the Big Six. I mean, maybe K-State wins a few games. I don't know. Kansas, I don't even know why they still have a football team. I can guarantee you Kansas State's going to win a few scrimmages against their own team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, Kansas State will beat Kansas. Yeah. So we know that will happen. Hey, one thing that's cool here for, for Matt and I and also for our listeners out there who are familiar with Hazelwood West, Texas Tech, uh, Krishan Merriweather, former yep. student of mine, right, uh, standout middle linebacker, was second on the team in tackles last year. Yes, um, he was. He's made a transformation. That's pretty awesome. What what? I mean, I know that you focus on fantasy a lot. What do you think his NFL – I mean, do you think he has a pretty good NFL stock sitting ahead of him? Uh, I do. I also think that – well, the Big 12, it's hard, right? Because you, you do go against the offenses of Texas, who are usually high-powered all, Oklahoma always, right? Um, even Baylor the last few years has been a decent offense. So you get in there and as a middle linebacker of a school that isn't succeeding in that division. It is kind of hard to be noticed. But on the other hand, he has been putting on a clinic from that position. So it, it'll be interesting. I want to see how his year comes this year. Uh, I'm excited for him. It's it's cool having you know Devin Williams in the MLB who won rookie of the uh, rookie of the year last year. Then Merriweather yeah. hoping to make big noise at uh in his final what should be his final year in college. And I think uh, Merriweather led the junior college in tackles his I, his second year there. And then he had a he had a buttload of offers and chose he chose Texas Tech, which you know you don't, when we think Texas Tech, not one person thinks defense. You think right, Mah- we think, right, we think Patrick Mahomes, we think Wes Welker, we think guys like that who are just running down the field catching bombs. Right. Um, I just think of their jerseys. Too. Right, right. But but like I said, he he is – it just seems like I, I, I tried to watch as many games last year as I could, mainly just for him, and it just seems like he is around the ball. He is a ball hawk, which tells me that even if he isn't a starting linebacker in the NFL, he, that, that guy has a, a special team's career yeah. at, at worst, I think, at worst. Yeah, uh, yeah. This year is going to be big for him. He's going to have to go against guys, you know, running backs now that are Brees Hall, Bajan Robinson from Texas. It's going to be an offensive clinic in the Big Twelve. I hope he makes some noise this year. I really do. Yeah, me too. And you got Kenny Brooks coming back from Oklahoma. I think a good thing for him is being in the Big Twelve. Well, like you guys have said, there's not many um, defensive highlight reel standouts. If you go to a game and you're the guy, like that's a good way to get noticed when you're the only guy on the defensive side of the ball that's getting noticed. So if you want to raise your draft stock, obviously going against good offenses is going to help. But also being the only guy out there that catches someone's eye, that can also help you a lot. 
So, I mean, he has a really good opportunity in front of him to do something big. And I think with his speed and size, and they've got Colin Schooler there too, another, I think, probably NBA – or NBA, good Lord, NFL prospect at the linebacker spot. You know, when you play the spread offense like all these teams do, and especially in the Big 12, I mean, it really it really spreads you out, but it also gives you a chance to make a lot of tackles in the middle of the field. Yes. So, you know, that – yeah, I, I, I can't and wait I to watch him again. Why... I hope he stays healthy. For those of you who haven't watched Texas Tech, I believe he's number one on Texas Tech. Pay attention – for, for him, because a local kid made good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the NFL, that, it's such a weird thing to see someone, like, be able to – that's such a big thing. It's so much bigger than the MLB, everything else. It's like a it's like a movie, like, premiere every week for whatever team. So someone, like, even getting talked about to be in that in that world is crazy. And especially so. to come out of Hazelwood West, where we are not – as Matt knows, we are not a football powerhouse. You know? No, we are not. The, the one year I did coach football, which we have talked <laughs> about on here, right – uh, I was the JV coach, but on the other side of the varsity was this kid named Lamarck Brown. Awesome kid, right? Probably the best athlete I've ever seen at the high school level. Went to K-State, full ride. Um, I think he only stayed there for a couple of years. I mean, when you go to K-State or you go to any big school, obviously you're competing for four years for your spot. Yep. I think he ended up at a smaller school up near Chicago, got drafted by the Falcons, played for the Falcons for a while. But you could just – he was – different than every other human at practice yeah like he i think you could have put him anywhere he could have been our quarterback and he would have been the best guy in the in the league and when you see those kind of guys it is fun it is fun yeah. it's really fun to see it up close and like, Devin was that guy on the mound for baseball there's been a couple of guys like that like ever as well as aj Epinesa, who's correct in, uh, correct yeah who's in the, right who's in the who's in the nfl right now <laughs> there's a different feeling when you see someone like that like i know mark smith as well when he played for Eversville. You see them and you're like, that guy's just not. Is it like they're not a human? <laughs> they're like a different breed of person. When yeah. They're playing. So, I mean, good for him. Hopefully, it, it goes well. Yeah, for him. I'm. I'm hoping. Well, I'm excited for. The, I, I love the Big Twelve just because I love the shootouts. I love the you know the, six overtime. The Mahomes versus uh, Baker. Baker. I love that stuff. Right. That is that's fun to me. And when you get that, you know, there's a lot of guys who are like, well, that's not football. Nobody plays defense. I don't care. Especially when you have no dog in the fight. Right, like, that's we it. aren't fans of any Big yes. 12 team. No, no. But like, you just get to sit back and enjoy chaos, and that's yeah. basically what the Big 12 is. Anyway. Yeah, just watching dudes make plays is yeah. fun for me in college football. People that so. are better at life than you are. Yeah. Just go out there and do things. Yeah, <laughs> and it's all physical specimens. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited for the Big 12. I, I think Oklahoma has a legit national uh, championship. Ships. Good Lord. National championship. <laughs> Shot. That was that was tough. I think Iowa State does too. So I think that game could be incredible when, when those two play. That that'll be must watch TV. Obviously, always Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and then obviously when you've got uh, Texas and Oklahoma, there's it's always going to be a good game. So I think those four teams will lead the way. TCU could be interesting to see. Um, we'll see. We'll Is see. It, it's interesting to me that Big Twelve doesn't the Big Twelve doesn't make more noise and. In the in the big in the finals every year, like because they, they don't have, play defense. That's the, I, I the Well, no, I understand that. You would just think if you knew nothing about football other than how high school football works, and you saw all these southern schools from Oklahoma and Texas, you and West Virginia, you would expect those teams to be powerhouses in the in the um, the football the football world in college. The only one that really has been, has been Oklahoma. Yeah. Everyone else, it's like they just—they're underwhelming every year. You know, Texas has gone through a whole lot of coaches. I mean, the one thing you can say about the Big Twelve is, boy, they've got star power at the coach coaching level. I mean, yep. everybody keeps wanting to anoint Lincoln Riley the next dude in the NFL. Matt, let me ask you this: If I'm Lincoln Riley, and I am Mister Oklahoma, and I can get any dude into my program that I want, 
and I can coach him up and I'm going to be in the national championship talk every year outside of ego. Is there, would you ever leave for the NFL? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think you would if it was, I, I, okay. So I can't speak for Lincoln Riley, obviously, but for myself, I think that if I were passionate about coaching and I really wanted to do my best, my personal best, my personal achievements, I would go for the elusive Super Bowl. But if I just think that, oh, it's a job and I, I love it, I love it, of course, but I'm good where I'm at. We're competing. This is fun. It's fun to run these offenses. It's fun to have these kids. I love watching the kids play. Then I'm okay with wanting that. It's all about what you – I mean, it's all about what you want, really, is what it comes down to. So I would want to chase a Super Bowl. Though. <laughs> I think for guys like Lincoln Riley and like Urban Meyer forever, obviously he's a coach in the NFL now, but and Nick Saban, they – they first off they get paid a shitload of money, <laughs> like they make a, a ridiculous amount of money for that being a true. college coach. You would have no idea unless you went and looked how much money those guys make. But also, I would think for them, there's probably something rewarding about being able to coach guys up and then watching them flourish in bigger levels. And also, it's comfortable. It's a comfortable. They know it. They know it very well, and they do it really, really well. And it's almost like everyone who pays into football, whether you're an NFL guy or you're a college football guy. You know Lincoln Riley's name. He is just as famous as any coach in the NFL besides Bill Belichick. So if you're him, there's almost like not much incentive to even go unless you want that Super Bowl. I think if that's, that's what it. you want. Then yeah, you go for it. But if you if you just love coaching, love making people better, and just love football, I don't see much incentive to want to go besides winning a Super Bowl. I mean, obviously we see Pete Carroll has a lot of success in the NFL coming from from the college ranks. I, I do think, and I, I from what Matt said, and I agree with. I think if when you're a coach, especially at that level, it's okay. I am the greatest college coach, but that doesn't make me the greatest football coach. And I think those guys want to be the greatest football coach, you know. And yeah. you, to do that, you have to be at the NFL. Yeah. So I get, want, yeah, I get, yeah, I get, yeah, right, right. Everybody. And wants some would argue, and I wouldn't argue. I don't know if you can push back against this too much. It is equally as hard, if not harder, to get a group of eighteen to twenty-two year olds <laughs> to come out to come together and win something big than it is to get a bunch of NFL guys who, like you said, egos way bigger than the NFL, way bigger. So I don't know. I, w I would have no desire to do either, <laughs> but I understand both sides of it. Obviously, and being in professional sports is something that you can't replicate. That's the top dog. It always will be. But I, I would understand if, like, Riley was just Oklahoma forever like Nick Saban was. I think the recruiting has to wear old, don't you, Matt? Like, I think the recruiting would wear old for me after a while. Yeah, I don't. I would want to go to the NFL. I just would rather win a Super Bowl. So, like I, even like I guess Nick, I guess <laughs> I, even, I remember after Coach O one in LSU, and even even Dabo's talked about this. Like they they celebrate for two nights, and then they're on the recruiting trail the next Monday. And you know, and obviously they have coordinators and they've got recruiters who do a lot of that, especially at the high levels. But they're still they're still sitting in guys you know living rooms trying to trying to, to sell their program. And I, that would that would be one of those things that would really really wear up. I'll tell you what: the life of a football coach is not one that I I would ever ever want. It's just not. I also think a big part of it is for those big guys like you're saying, like Coach O and and Lincoln Riley, all those guys. They don't have to sell their program to you. They don't. They say, they "Hey, I'm Lincoln Riley. Go look at Baker Mayfield." They, but Come they, here. but they got to that point. Do you know what yeah, I mean? I know. Like they, but they're there right, now. So right, I'm assuming right. it gets easier and easier yeah. as you get success. Like as a kid, if I if I were good at football, like incredible at football. And Dabo Sweeney came to talk to me. I wouldn't be asking him to sell himself to me. <laughs> right. And I, I highly doubt that's how most of those conversations go. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting to me too with this nil stuff. 
Like you see the you saw the is his name Ewers, the kid yeah. who adopted left high school early to go to Ohio State. He's gonna make like three million dollars. Shout out to those guys, right? Yeah, right? We did it wrong, Matt. We did it wrong. Yeah, I should have played football. I have I could have done it. <laughs> you should have. You so should have. Just tell your just tell your kids in the future that that you would have been able to, you just had a bad shoulder or something. <laughs> I blew my knee out. Yeah, I think it's a good story. I think it's a good story. Let's switch over to the NFL while we're talking about that. Just some news, and then, Matt, I want to get your take on this, and then we'll, we'll dig into the, the – uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the NFC and the AFC West, a couple of what I think are going to be really, really good divisions this year, um, especially the NFC West. Um, some big news today. We talked on here a few weeks ago when Matt was on with us, actually, about Cam Newton and can he be a backup. And I think we were almost unanimous with saying my thoughts were I don't see Cam Newton as a backup. I just, I just, yeah, I think Matt was on board with us as well. And today he gets cut. The Mac Jones era in New England has begun. Oh yeah, it absolutely had to begin. I mean, there there was no denying that Mac Jones is the best. This was a genius, another genius move, and the incredible long line of genius moves by Bill Belichick. <laughs> And I'm not here to, to tout up the Patriots as a former Rams fan. I don't, I'm not going to do that. But I will say that this was genius. I mean, Cam Newton is a locker room presence. He's a guy that is a, can command a locker room at anyone's will, right? If you Absolutely. have a guy like if you have a guy like that on the bench behind Mac Jones, it never gives Mac Jones that true chance to show leadership. It never gives him the true chance to show that he can lead a locker room. You get rid of that guy, well, because he's going to be a backup. I understand having a backup QB is is necessary. It is nice to have at least a solid one, as you saw with the Eagles a few years ago when they won with Foles. It's doable. But when Mac Jones is a rookie that you invested high capital in, you got to give him the reins. You got to give him the entire room and say, go play. And that's what they're doing. I love the move. I think, and I also, I believe I heard that Cam Newton uh, would be my guess was how it went down. I, I don't know if I heard this somewhere or if it was just a thought. But I will say that my guess is that Newton knew he lost the job and out of respect asked for his release or Belichick asked him if there was anywhere he would want to go or if he wants to be a free agent. I'm guessing that's how it went down because I would believe that he would still want to be a starter in this league. So, it's, And it's, I think last time you were on here, I don't remember – if, if it wasn't me, then I don't want to take the credit for it. But I believe you or I, Matt, brought up the, the destination of Washington, right, to reunite with Ron Rivera. Do you – do you think that logistically or logically makes sense with, with Fitzmagic and with Heineke there? I mean, are we looking at the same situation? Because that team, I think, is built to win the NFC East right now. I really do. Um, do you think that makes sense? I, I, is that, I, I don't know that a team who, who is a playoff contending team is a Cam Newton destination. No, I don't think, I don't think it makes sense. I, I just don't. Uh, I think that what makes sense for Washington is to stay pat with what they're doing. I think that they have a good foundation place that's not too old. It's still fairly young with guys like Chase Young and Antonio uh, Gibson, Terry McLaurin, uh, all those boys down there over there in Washington. So it, it's going to be fun to see what they do. But I think they should stay course with Fitzpatrick. I think Heineke showed some flash if they need to go to him. I don't think bringing in Cam Newton's the right move. And I honestly don't think Cam Newton's going to start this year. I don't think – I've heard a lot about Houston this uh, today. I just don't see why Houston would do that. I mean, they, they're, they're going to want to suck. I mean, they're, they're not good. Cam Newton doesn't make you any better, right? So there's no point in bringing in Cam Newton, especially when you drafted a guy like Davis Mills from Stanford in the third round last year as, with your first pick. Like, it was your first draft pick you had this year, and you took a quarterback 
you're probably going to want to see what you have. I just don't think there's a spot that makes total sense for Cam to walk in and start. With with the Houston thing, and I care what you have to say about this, with the Houston thing, a lot of rumors swirling today they may cut Deshaun Watson. Um, I, I don't know. I, obviously, that's not been – nothing has been substantiated there. I, I don't think Houston is in win mode anyway. No, no, they're, they're not. not. Even with Deshaun Watson, they're not in win mode. Uh, if you were just to ignore what's going on with him. But outside of Deshaun Watson, if they were to cut him, that would just be another fatal error in their process. I think the process would be if he is cleared to play this year, you probably bench him because he doesn't want to play. And then once all this legal stuff, if it do, if it were to get just cleared, which I don't necessarily see happening, I don't know, I'm not a law expert, but I will say I would hold him. I don't. There's no reason to cut him. Let him ride the bench. You're going to suck either way. Let him ride the bench. And when his legal site is cleared, you get max value for a franchise QB that doesn't want to be there. There's no point in cutting him. I, that, that would literally blow my socks off. But yeah, I was shocked by that report. I, I think Houston makes perfect sense and no sense at all at the same time. It makes no sense at all because it's not a fit. Like you said, they're not trying to win. They need a high draft pick. It makes perfect sense because they have no idea what they're doing, ever. So it makes perfect sense for them to do it, but it makes no sense that they should do it because they shouldn't do it. But it's the most Houston Texan thing they could do. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happened at all. In fact, it would make more sense for them to win five games somehow and then not get a good draft pick and stay down this line of bullshit that they've been on since, I don't know, since they lost that league. Since they came into the league? No, since they came into the league, they've never been. Maybe maybe they'll tank for Sam Howell or Spencer Rattler. Maybe that's That's, their – Well, I don't know. I don't don't know. They're they're another one of those teams like the Pirates and MLB. (laughs) They don't have a way out right now. They're going to have to do some – it's going to take a while. Yeah. Because the NFL is not a thing you turn around quickly. To it ask can, the Browns. It can, be. it can be, but it won't be for them. Right. I think. They, from what I heard, no one loves their coaching staff. No one loves their front office. <laughs> we so, know they don't love the front so, office. So I don't know why anybody would ever go play there. Right. And I don't know how they galvanize a team around around that. So until they make some massive changes organizationally, not just from players, but from personnel-wise up top, it's just going to be bad for people in Houston, which is sad because the people in Houston loved that team when J.J. Watt was good. And when Deshaun Watson was coming up, it was good. And it's just been nonstop bad news for them for yeah. a year and a half now. Yeah. Uh, today, just a couple other things before we get to the, the some, a few other things that we want to talk about. Uh, obviously, cut down day, you get down to 53. Desmond Trufant cut by the uh, by the Bears. I was kind of shocked to see that. I think he'll that still play somewhere. Um, obviously, he's had some family issues, I believe, and he's been out of camp for a while. Um, I do think the COVID thing, the, the whole weird thing that went on with Cam, I don't know if that had anything. I don't know if that had anything to do with this, but that was I weird. Think it- you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it had uh, an impact. I think that not having Cam Newton in the locker room or at practice for a week could have potentially pissed off Belichick or the coaching staff or the front office. I think that this was a crucial time to see if Cam maybe really wanted to play. I don't, I'm not, I wasn't in the locker room. I'm not in the discussions, but I do think that Cam Newton not being there for an entire week of preseason, of drills, of training camp, and not helping refine Mac Jones or refine his own game, it, it did hurt. The potential chance of him starting like when this came out when about a week ago when Newton wasn't reporting to practice I I locked in Mac Jones as the starter I was like this is it the way Jones is playing yeah. it's not even there Mac Jones is the starter uh, I had a couple friends of mine actually on Twitter call that Cam Newton was going to be cut back in early August so I'm, I'm I wasn't it didn't shock me I mean I guess the initial reaction probably shocked me but besides that I wasn't it makes sense thinking about it. I, I hope Cam does find a job. I'm just not sure where. Not to mention last year, Cam was the guy that brought COVID into the clubhouse. Right. Yeah. 
So, no locker room, what do you call the NFL? But, um, yeah, and we don't know much about the inner workings of Kraft and Belichick because they keep everything secretive. And to be quite honest, I don't want to know the kind of scary people. <laughs> but what we do know is they have a zero-tolerance policy for any bullshit that you do. So if you do anything, Cam Newton, they were looking for a reason to cut Cam Newton just as much as they were looking for a reason to keep him. And he did not give them any reason to keep him. He gave them every reason to cut him, I, and they took the chance. I also think, and Matt brought this up about the, and you know, I, at, talking about Cam with the week off, I think the week off, as much as it might have hurt Cam, I think more importantly, it helped them see Mac Jones as right. a QB one. Right? right, you get to see him leading the meetings. You get to see him at the dinners. I heard that earlier today. Right at the dinner table or whatever, yeah. you get to see him in the meeting rooms. You get to see him at practice running all the first team reps. So I think when you start to see a guy like that, it's like, oh, it's not as badly as Cam lost it as I think Mac Jones just took it and ran. And shout out to him for doing that because I love to see that. Yeah, when you think about that, it makes complete sense about how a new guy like that could come in and galvanize a group of people. When he was playing at Alabama with the NFL talent, so he had to already do deal with egos and deal with everyone wanting theirs in Alabama because they had so many good players that this isn't really anything new to him. He's back in just with different people. And the one thing I've heard about Mac Jones, and I don't know him personally, no. so I can only go by secondhand, awesome. is the guys in Alabama loved him. Yep. And and when you have a couple of their big wide receivers coming out saying, we'd take Mac over to a, yeah. like, which they kind of got terrible question by the by the press, but still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, that's a terrible question to ask. How Absolutely. Why, why put Devontae yeah. Smith and, and Waddle into that spot? But they did. And uh, also – Evidently, I mean, he, I, the, the footage of him at, in New England practice screaming and cursing at the defensive stars yep. is legendary for a rookie. Yep. I love it. And, and, and I think all that does is earn respect. He's also been behind two quarterbacks when he, while he played in Alabama that are leading teams in the right. NFL currently. So he's been – and he makes him lose coach. I, I'm glad he came in and took the reins over. I wasn't high on Mac Jones coming out of the draft, but I, I don't know. Like, I'll be the first one, man. I, I see what I see. And I, I, it doesn't go through a filter in my brain like it does with NFL scouts to projectability. It goes to just what I see. And he doesn't have that wow factor. He never has. But, I mean, if you can lead a team and be good under Belichick, we saw what Brady did. He's not the talentedest quarterback ever, the most talented quarterback ever. But Yes, I mean, he is. And to be fair, we don't know what he's going to do. No. No know. one knows. But I, I love what he's done so far. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm ready to see Mac Jones. You know what, I, you know what may, still drives me crazy is that the fact that Andy Dalton is probably going to start week one. <laughs> That's I, I wild. Think they have to, man. I, I think no, they have no. To. Bill Belichick literally has looked Cam into the eye with the most utmost respect and told him that he's his quarterback and he's don't cut him. Like I, I don't. Justin Fields has been lights out. Did you see? Did you see his game? His last preseason game. It was a marvel to watch. Oh right? yeah, he has. He has. He has all the tools. And you know, I also think if you look at San Francisco, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute. I mean, Jimmy G is going to start, but I think everybody in the Bay Area is drooling over Trey Lance. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just ready. This is going to be a, a fun season. I know it's going to be awesome. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it really quick. One last thing that came, I'll let you, you right, head, head into it. Uh, one cool thing, not cool, didn't mean that. One thing that I saw today, Urban said that one of the final factors of getting down to 53 was vaccinated or not. I thought that was a bold move for him to come out to say but I do respect his honesty. Yeah, you respect his honesty. There's going to be a lot of pissed off people in Florida because it's Florida. But <laughs> Ron DeSantis leads the way. I understand it in particular with that team, a team where you want – they're not going to be good. Urban knows that. He knows talent. He's been around the game forever. 
And you want to see a team that's going to come together as a group. So that's one. You, you want a team that's willing to do stuff for each other. That's two. That's another thing you probably don't see. And he also probably wants people that are willing to go to links to be on their team. And if that's what it takes to do that, and you're a young player that's trying to make it in Jacksonville, like you have an opportunity to go do that. And I understand his point of view. I bet there's a lot of people that are going to be from 48 to 53 in terms of talent on that roster. They're not much different than the people from 53 to 60. Right. So if that's the ending factor, I understand that. They're going to to make sure that they're on that team. I didn't like that face. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't mind the decision. I, 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 I'm not, I have questions about Urban Meyer. Uh, just as you know, how well he will thrive in the National Football League. But, uh, yeah, I have no problem with this decision to breaking it down by uh, vaccination or non-vaccination. Uh, however you wish to conduct business and handle uh, a personal matter, that's on it's on you. Absolutely. Uh, My first thought when I read that was, this is so college. This yeah. is such a college coach. Um, yes, exactly. Because Matt Brown said months ago that they when they first told him at North Carolina, 85% of your guys and coaches are, are vaccinated. Uh, you don't have to wear masks in practice and you can go to all the meetings and everything else. And he said, they said, so what does that mean? And he's like, well, it damn well means we're going to be over 85%. Yeah. So that's what I, so that's I, what I thought on, about Urban Meyer. On the, flip, on the flip side of this, I get why he did it. But do you think that's going to rub people the wrong way in the clubhouse? Because they're going to maybe think that he's, he's I still a college coach and not knowing how to coach men. I, I don't know that because obviously I've never been in an Urban yeah. Meyer or an NFL. I could like see college, it happening. Our locker room. But I think also, I think if you're a player, this is how I would view it. But again, I again bad JV football coach. Also, so never reached that profession. Correct, correct. Played played through eighth grade, just so you guys know. Was yeah. dominating. I was never dominating in eighth grade and decided to stop. But kidding, kidding. No, <laughs> but but like I almost think if I'm a player, I respect it simply because now I know we're going to be on the field every week, right? We're not, you know, if there's a fluke, there's a fluke. But I think that you know it's hey we're all looking out for each other. And that is that cow. That is that locker room mentality, no matter what sport you're in. Yeah. I think again, I don't know. I don't know that. I could see it going one. I could see it going both ways. I just think, like I said, they're grown men, grown men genuine, generally don't like being told what they have to do <laughs> as we've seen over this past well, year. So I think the biggest problem with kind of what you just said, isn't going to be about the vaccination. I think it's about to be how bad urban Meyer is as a coach. I don't <laughs> And that I think still they're remains gonna be upset because they're that, that, that still remains. I think we have to give him more than this year yeah. because okay. they are lacking talent. And you know, we do know we talked about this last time, and then we'll get into some more things. But Shot Khan will spend money. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen that in the past. I think he'll continue to spend money there. We don't know what Trevor Lawrence looks like, so I think I think you have to give Urban multiple, uh, almost at least two, if not three years, at least three, to I see say, to see what you have. Um, that's that's fine. I just don't think it's going to be a good two to three years. I think it's going to be a waste. Oh, I agree with that 100%. But I don't I know think that that's an Urban Meyer issue as much as it could be a lack of talent on that roster issue. Well, I mean, the talent he did have, he just traded away for a six-round pick. I mean, he had Gardner Minshew, who he was sworn by was in a QB battle with Trevor Lawrence. He swore was getting first-team reps that were potentially taking them away from Trevor Lawrence and then managed, oh, Trevor Lawrence won the battle. I'm going to trade him for a sixth-round pick. It was yeah. just, That was awful. I mean, you took – I think that was more to give Trevor Lawrence as much – faith as he could but all right let's talk a little bit let's talk a little bit about the AS or NFC West which I think could be maybe the best one of the best divisions eight sorry yeah NFC West yeah best divisions in football Matt how do you see it shaking out I think it's the best division in football I think that every single one of these teams is going to be above nine wins I think that it's going to be a slugfest to see who's crowned the champion of this division I think the Rams are 
would be my personal favorite right out of the gate with Stafford in town now. They did lose Cam Akers, but they got a uh, they acquired Sony Michelle from New England, who's more than serviceable. They also have Darrell Henderson. They have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Tyler Higby on offense, and you know they got Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on defense. So that that Rams team is going to compete. Then you can't ever count out Russell Wilson if they're going to let him cook, let, let Russ cook, right? So that offense is going to be powerful with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Jamal Adams, who they just paid. And then you got San Francisco, who just two years ago was in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were probably one third down away from winning the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and they couldn't get it done. Now they're bringing back that. I think it's nine out of 11 starters that were on that starting Super Bowl team back alongside Jimmy G back alongside a new receiver in Brandon Ayuk and they brought in Trey Lance. So who knows what the 49ers are going to be able to do. And then you get to Arizona where it's hot and powerful with Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins who have built their defense up with JJ Watt. They also brought in AJ Green who was a all pro wide receiver at one point in his career. So it's going to be a fun division. As you can see, I just had to rattle off all that information because all four of these teams are loaded, locked and loaded to make a playoff run. Yeah. Currently, currently um, you have Seattle sitting with their over and under in Vegas right now at 10. You've got the Rams and the 49ers at 10 and a half. And you got the Cardinals at eight and a half. Um, yeah. We'll take the over on all pick to take the over. Now, sad news coming out of the Cardinals today. Not necessarily sad, but interesting to see what happens. Malcolm Butler potentially going to, to call it quits. Uh, I think that leaves a big hole in their secondary if that happens. Uh, obviously, there's some family stuff going on. Uh, thoughts and prayers to him. Yeah. I don't know what's happening there. But a stud. Yes. A stud for years. I mean, when you've got, when you've got Buda Baker and you've got, you know, Mac, Malcolm Butler back there, and then you can bring J.J. Watt, you can bring Chandler Jones. I mean – that that defense could be better than we've seen them the Cardinals be in a long time. Yeah, I mean JJ Watts probably if he's healthy, we know what he can do. I mean he's one of the best guys since they had Jadavian Clown. Wait, no, that's the Texans. My bad. But I, I whatever team it doesn't make the playoffs from this division, they're gonna be looking at the East with um, the <laughs> Cowboys, the the football team, and all those people, and be like, what the hell? Why did I get stuck here? Because they. I mean, that's four teams right there that they could make a deep run in the playoffs. I, I mean, I don't love I don't love the 49ers quarterback situation because I think it's too up in the air. I think Jimmy G is going to be playing looking over his shoulder. But they have Kyle Shanahan. So, like, the coaches – I mean, I don't know. This division is going to be crazy. I'm actually this – is, this is definitely the best division in I football. think so. And I don't really even think it's a competition. Matt, what do you see Rondale Moore doing? Man, I – I don't know where I stand with Ryan no more because from a film perspective, when I, when I do my breakdowns on films, I really like what I see. He's explosive. He's a little small, but he's explosive. He finds five, nine, I think, right? Five, nine. Yeah. Five, nine. Yeah. Uh, we re- rarely see a guy at his level succeed like mass success, but I, I'd love to see it. I think he's explosive, but uh, from the analytical side, the, the side I dove into with him, he's one of those guys that had a breakout age of 18, which everybody would glorify over, but then his breakout, his dominator rating was the only one since, like, I believe it was 2014 that his dominator dominator rating went down every single year after that, after his freshman year in high, uh, college. So, I don't know where I stand with Rondell Moore fantasy wise, but I, I think he could be a key key gadget player, almost like a Debo Samuel or Lavisca Chenault to start. So, I'm interested uh, to see what they're going to do, especially with the fact that it looks like Fitz isn't coming back, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he is. I don't either. And you, you picked up AJ Green, which is, I think, is a very solid pickup. To, to go on the other side of Hopkins. If you can run more out of the slot, um, he reminds me a lot just watching him. And he, he may, might even be better, but he reminds me a lot of Tavon Austin. 
Trayvon. Uh, I, I don't know that. if he's as fast. AJ Green? No, 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 no. Rondale Moore from oh, Purdue. Rondale Moore, okay. Yeah, and I don't know. I That's just who, when I watched him in the preseason and watched him at Purdue, that's who he kind of reminded me of. So I'm intrigued to see how they use him. If, you know, were they moving around? Obviously, Tavon also a really good kick returner and punt returner. I don't know that Moore's going to do that in the NFL. College, but, right. Oh, well, so is Moore at Purdue. Yeah, but so, right. Heisman. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm just intrigued to see how that works out. Jimmy G, I, I think Jimmy G will be just fine mm-hmm. simply because I don't think anything bothers him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was drafted by the Patriots, right? He said he knew he was never going to play. Um, Except they told him he was. Right, well, they told him, right. But then, <laughs> then he gets traded to San Francisco. He takes them to a Super Bowl. He does have injury issues. We know that, which is why they drafted Trey Lance. If Jimmy G is healthy and that they have a solid offensive line, I think the 49ers, I'm not going to be shocked if they don't win that division. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, they have defense. So, Last year, they lost, they lost Bosa in the was it, first week, wasn't it? No, they lost Bosa, Ford. They lost all kinds of guys. I know. They lost Bosa the first week, and it's like, well, there it kind of goes. Yeah. Because he, he is such a game changer. He might – him he outside of Aaron Donald, he might be the most, like, game-changing – T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, um, yeah. defensive player in all of football. Yeah. Like, that guy gets after everybody. He's a freak. So, I mean, they have – their defense has to stay healthy, and they have to just outscore their opponents. Like, they're not going to yeah. be a team that goes out there and drops 50. Right. At least not against good good defenses. So, I mean, I think he's going to be serviceable because he, he's a good quarterback. I think the Jimmy G hate has maybe gone a little too far. But <laughs> I I also think it's probably that wants to give Trey Lance a shot, and I think Jimmy G knows that. I don't think this year. I think Trey Lance, who didn't play a lot of college games, I think the, the, the Trey Lance draft pick wasn't for this year. I think it's for next year. Yeah. That's my thought. What do you think, Matt? I think Trey Lance should start as soon as possible. <laughs> I think you that, love these rookies, dude. And I do. I, I really Not do. Baseball. But <laughs> but I, I do want to say that I think we've seen the ceiling with Jimmy G and the ceiling wasn't enough. You're gonna meet the Chiefs or the Bills or Cleveland or Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Okay. That's going to happen. One of those four teams are making the Super Bowl from the AFC, and all four can put up forty plus points. With Jimmy G at the with Jimmy G at the helm, I don't believe they could put up forty points. I think with Trey Lance and his upside and the, the rare chance, as some would say, of him hitting his ceiling is a much higher outcome to win a Super Bowl than with Jimmy G at quarterback. And might that not be this year as no rookie quarterback has ever won a Super Bowl? I understand. I've been, I've been berated all offseason because I'm on this side of the argument. Uh, but I just don't see how Jimmy G's enough. And when you're a win-now team that the 49ers are, they got a, a strong defense, they got a – an offense that's ready to fire on all cylinders. Why give up as much capital as you did? Why give up as much uh, future future capital that you did to get Trey Lance and then not play him? You, sh- you need a difference maker. He could be that difference maker. I, I don't understand the trade if that wouldn't sit all year. If Jimmy G starts the season two and two, he should be pulled. It should be Trey Lance, and you should see what you have because you're in a tough division. You're going to have to score. You're going to have to win. What if he starts at 4-0? Then, then I, I mean, you probably keep him in. If he's right, going right. on, he's winning games. I'm wrong. I'm not going to say you're not. I mean, here's the thing. I think, I think when you're saying we haven't seen Jimmy G sin, I mean, he was one play away from winning the Super Bowl mm-hmm. against those Chiefs. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. But you've got a, a great line. You've got 47 running backs. It seems feels that like they're all good in Shanahan offense. Right in a Shanahan and offense. I love Dino Sanders. And they're all going to get playing time. That's what you know about Shanahan. You could be the four-string running back, and you're going to maybe get five touches. Yeah. You know, and when you have that defense, and that defense is stout, I, I just think, I think with a guy like Jimmy G, and, you know, 
the 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 worst label I think for an NFL quarterback to get is game manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just makes you sound so white. <laughs> white and boring. White, boring, and slow. Like that, but but it wins football games. What we just described was Tom Brady. Yeah. I'm not calling Jimmy. Okay, <laughs> I knew that's where. See, I know that's where. I wasn't gonna, gonna go. go to it. That's not where I'm going. I'm just saying, like, well, Jimmy sometimes G, boring does win the, the thing race. That I would, the only thing I would push back on about what Matt said was, you don't have to score forty to win, to win a Super Bowl against the Chiefs, because the Buccaneers just shut them down. They did. That team is electric offensively, but there are ways to shut them down, and that way is to get to Patrick Mahomes. They've got Nick Bosa. And they've got a really good defensive line. Absolutely. So they can get to Patrick Mahomes. And they kind of expose that team a little bit by if you get pressure on Patrick Mahomes and he has to run, like they don't have much anywhere to go. They don't have an electric running back, really. I mean, I know Edward Hilaire was there. But I'm saying they don't have a game. (laughs) They don't. Let's also not. So what I'm saying is, I don't think that Jimmy G has to put up for you to win a Super Bowl. And he doesn't. I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders or they're going to win it. But I think that there are ways to neutralize the Chiefs if you have a good enough defensive plan. Correct. It's not easy to do, but it can happen. And you also, let's not forget, shout out to Fred Warner, who got paid. He, yes, um, absolutely. And well-deserved. Yes, Very right. underrated, underrated linebacker, in my opinion. So yeah, I think. Now he's rated because he made a lot of change. Yeah, he made a lot of money. <laughs> hey, Matt, here's what I'll say, and then, and then we'll move on to the SU West. I got two things to say, and I want to hear what you have to say, you and Caleb. Um, I'm not going to be shocked if Seattle finishes fourth in this division. I would be. I am not. I, I, I don't be. trust their offensive line. I definitely don't trust their defense. I sure as hell don't trust their running game because it's never since since Sean Alexander's been gone, it's never been what everybody wanted it to be. I love DK Metcalf, but I had both Metcalf and Russell Wilson in fantasy, and they screwed me down the way last year because Russell's running line. for running for his life every time. And I don't know. I mean, obviously they go on to get Gabe Jackson from the Raiders, who is a stud guard, but one guard does not offensive line make. They also gave Jamal Adams a ton of money. They did. And, and I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised there. But the one thing that I'm most excited for, outside of I love watching Kyler Murray play, but that I'm really excited for, the, the I think the nation that might be football fans, but not maybe what we call diehard football fans, is you're going to get to see Matthew Stafford. And I yeah. think that poor guy, I think we could see eliteness, if, if that's a word. I may have just made that up. But <laughs> Close you, Right, good enough. And let's go with it. So eliteness out of Matthew Stafford. What do you think, Matt? Uh, so to comment on the, I believe it was the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, the Seattle Seahawks point, Seahawks point. I want to say that I think to trust them to finish like first would be hard, but I can't imagine a world where Russell Wilson isn't single-handedly win you four or five games. So I think, I think that we're going to see the Seattle Seahawks compete, and I think they're going to be a 10-11 win team. Um, but Matthew Stafford is the guy that I would say has the most pressure on him in the NFL this year. I know there's Jalen Hurts who's fighting for his his job, and you got Daniel Jones in New York who's fighting for his job, and you got the Steelers, and what are they going to do? I, I I think Matthew Stafford has been built up to be this guy that he was never helped in Detroit, he never had a chance. Now he has an elite team around him, and he should this should be the best team in football. Well, now he's got to live up to those standards. He's got to be a top. 10 quarterback in the NFL. He has to be a guy that throws better and can stay healthy and can make plays in crunch time because he hasn't had a lot of those opportunities. So I'm not necessarily sold that he's going to be elite, but that the range of outcomes that he is elite is definitely there. It's a possibility. Especially I, I'm excited. By all accounts, like he's a dude. And I, I'm excited to get to see. I'm hoping he is great. Like I'm not a Rams hater. I, I, they left here, whatever it happened. I hate, I hate that. I hate the way it went down. 
but I am I am excited to watch him. I, I'm hoping he's great. That's what I'll say. I hope he is too. And I think I would say this season may make or break his Hall of Fame case. Uh-huh. Because if he goes out there and he puts up an average team makes the play, I don't see a world where this team doesn't make the playoffs, to be honest with you. But if he goes out there and then lays a stinker in the first round of the playoffs, yeah, I don't think you're gonna I mean, yeah, because then you're but stuck if he goes out there, never if he goes out there and he brings them deep into the playoffs and gives them a shot to win it all and plays well, then it's gonna be that okay, well, ever since Calvin Johnson left, he had nothing. And that's kind of how it was. And it's gonna suck for him because that's not necessarily fair to him. Because no one in the world is going to say Matt Stafford is still in his prime. He's not. He's out of his prime. He's getting older. So even if he goes out there and plays poorly, it's like, yeah, he's old. He's getting old. He has a lot of injuries. He's not old. We, see, we just okay. saw a Tom Brady I understand, game. but he has a lot of injuries and mileage on his body. A not a ton of injuries. He's had a lot of injuries. Not, not, They've not been significant when They've not, been significant right. I mean, sad. Brady obviously had the ACL. He also else, plays so through a lot of them. From what I'm, just, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he can go out there and be good for a while if he needs to yeah. be. I, I, I'm excited for the country to get to see Matt Stafford outside of just Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, right. I agree. So, that's where I'm at. All right, let's, Calvin Johnson was on sports. Let's switch, let's switch over to the other West. Um, where, I, I'm, I mean, again, it just seems like it's the Chiefs. But I, I want to love the Chargers. And you should. I, I want to love them. I, 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 love, I love Justin Herbert. Yeah, me too. Just love him. And Keenan Allen may be the most underrated wide receiver in football. One of. One of. You know, Eckler, I, I don't – I know there's been a lot of fantasy talk about what they think Eckler can do. Yeah. You got Mike Williams. I mean, you got Joey Bosa on the defensive side along with Derwin Jones. I, I just – I'm excited about the Chargers, Matt. Yeah. So from a guy that just – I last night I actually tweeted out that I'm not understanding why Eckler is being drafted ahead of some, some running backs in fantasy. And uh, I've had a lot of Chargers talks over the last 24 hours, a lot of, uh, a lot of discussions about what people are projecting for this year. And I actually tend to agree with all of it. I, I think that this offense is going to pounce. I think you're going to have – I hope Mike Williams can stay healthy. I, you have Josh Palmer now. They did just – for some reason, they released uh, second-year receiver Tyron Johnson. I thought he looked fine last year, but I guess he's not in their plan. And then they have Austin Eckler, of course. So I think this offense is going to be ready to roll. They, they are getting Derwin James back. They have Joey Bosa. They, I they, said Derwin Jones. My apologies. No, you're, yeah, you're okay. And then they, I believe they still have – uh, some depth at cornerback as well. So this team is going to be good to roll. I think that they're going to compete. I think they're going to win anywhere between nine and 11 games this year. I mean, they were last year, they were nine plays off of having the best record in football. Like they were just losing one play, one score games. Terrible and, game management right down the street. Like, yeah, they were, they were calling timeouts when they shouldn't. They weren't, they, were nine, they, they weren't. You know, spiking the ball when they, they, it was awful. Was it two years ago as well where Philip Rivers had an MVP caliber season? They were just incredible. That was the year Mike Williams I kind of showed everyone that he's like elite talent wise. I want to see that dude get a full chance to be with because he can, he has he has some of the most projectable talent from any receiver in football. The dude is fast, he's tall, he can jump, he can catch. I hope he gets and he's going to be able to split time. No one's going to double team him. He has getting out on the other side of I think you could see him have a big year if he's healthy. I really like him a lot, and I love Justin Herbert, th- Herbert throwing to him. Yep. Yeah, I, so I, I, he's I love a big key factor. And I, 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 want, I thought they were going to be good last year, but it, just, it fell apart. I don't really know what it was. but It was, it was like Matt said, it was some terrible play. I mean, it was nine or ten plays, but it was some yeah. bad. That's why you have Brandon Staley as their head coach now. Yeah. You've got a new guy there, which will be interesting. Maybe they can bring some blood. Let's talk about the Chiefs. Oh, God. I know. I know. Right. Very good. Right, right. Okay, next segment. But what, I mean – Everybody always drools over the Chiefs, and understandably so, right? I love Patrick Mahomes. I love everything about him. He's awesome. I, I don't know why, but I've got a feeling this isn't their year. Oh. Uh, so, 
I'm going to go on a limb here because I uh, was talking with actually my mother just a couple of days ago. She went to Vegas and she was like, hey, is there any bet you need me to make? And I was like, listen, if there's one bet you're going to make, you're going to put how much money, how much money you want on the Cleveland Browns to make the Super Bowl. So I don't, I don't disagree. I think the odds at Cleveland win the Super Bowl are a lot higher than people think. I think they have a stout defense. And I know we're not talking about the North, but uh, just to pose a threat, you also have Buffalo, you have Baltimore, you have Steelers who still have a stout defense. You have Indianapolis who was good last year. They hopefully got a quarterback upgrade. You have Tennessee who acquired Julio Jones. They're looking like they're going to light the, the lid off the off the offense. So there's a lot of teams in the AFC, so it's hard to necessarily pin it on the Chiefs definitely making the Super Bowl. But then again, it is hard to bet against guys like Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, an offensive line that was built from the scratch to, to what is now a top 15, top 10 offensive line in football. You're also bringing in a defense that is more than capable of holding you in ball games, and even when not, you can put up 40. Uh, I'm all for the Chiefs. I still think they're the front runners, but I, I really do like what Cleveland and Buffalo. Friend, friend of the show, D. Pagel, just started jumping up and down. The thing that would scare me about putting anything against the Chiefs, even a cent, is that they just lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> what People that are great, Patrick Mahomes is great at what he does. People that are at the level of he is, there's not many of them ever. They're, he's pissed off. He just lost to the 43-year-old that he's trying to catch in greatness. He is gonna be. He's gonna have something to prove this year, and he knows that. And Travis Kelsey's getting a year older. Tyreek Hill's getting a year older. They're not old, but they're still getting older. And I, I would not bet a dollar that against the Chiefs making the Super Bowl. And the last time we saw Mahomes, he's like diving over people, throwing seeds. Like Travis Kelsey's dropping balls. It was that was the weirdest he's, game ever. And Matt Mahomes was. It was like backyard football. He's running 80 yards to throw a 30-yard pass. It was like flag football. It was unbelievable. With fifth graders. Um, if, if we look to the other two teams, I, look, it's John Gruden. It's the Raiders. Is there any reason, Is not just from a fantasy standpoint, which we'll talk about a little bit next week, is there any reason to ever be excited about the Raiders? Um, They got a cool new stadium. I think they got like a bar and strip club or something in their new stadium. Right. Outside of the fact that they're in the stadiums, <laughs> is there anything to get excited about? Um. Darren Waller would be the one reason I'd be excited. They're tight end. That's about it. That's about it. And they have no offensive. Like they, no, they're, ta- they're terrible. Seems like he's been there for 37 years. I mean, I do like rugs on the outside. Like you've got some guys who can catch the ball. I'm not, I'm still not sold. I'm probably late to the game. I'm not sold on Josh Jacobs. Um, you lose, you lose uh, the, your, your main tackle. Gabe Jackson leaves. I, I, I just I, – I can't buy the, the, the Raiders Since at all. Since Khalil Mack left, then they have not been the same. Well, so I wouldn't – really that good then. I don't – they are such a gross team to me. John, <laughs> I think it's because of John Gruden that I know that because I just can't stand the guy. He's so average. He's Jeff Fisher. He's no, he's not even so average. average. I think everything he does I is do what, so, Matt? I, I think John Gruden's terrible. I hate <laughs> it. He, everything he does is so, like – he. it's so me, me, me. He yeah. just wants to be loved. He wants to be – he thinks he's Jerry Jones. But – the only thing, like he said, the only thing to love about that team is Darren Waller. I think he's the top three, and I think he could pass Kelsey eventually as the best receiving tight end in football. The dude is a stud. Like, he is by far the best player on that team. And he, I don't, Derek Carr is older. He's injured all the time. They're just not going to be good, I don't think. In, in Denver, Matt, we've got obviously Drew Locke and Teddy Two Gloves. I, I don't know what to make of them. They have some really, I think they have some really good wide receivers. Their defense is going to be, I think, better than it probably was last year. I'm still not a, I'm still not a Denver like believer. Yeah, I'm not. 
So I'm not a believer that they're going to – well, I, I am a believer they could be really good. I think they have a top-five defense in football. I also think that they have weapons in Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton coming off his ACL uh, injury. You have Noah Fant, who was a top – I believe top 20, 25 draft pick in the NFL draft. They got playmakers. They drafted Javante Williams. I just don't – they're like the Washington football team of the of the AFC. They just need a quarterback. And it wasn't Drew Locke. I never thought it was Drew Locke. I don't care if – Anyone believes Drew Locke was good. I don't think he was good at all. I guess Teddy Bridgewater is a nice bridge quarterback. I think bridge quarterbacks are also the dumbest thing in football. So I, I'm not sure where what they're doing. They had a chance to snag out Justin Fields at nine. That's, that's still a blown opportunity. I think they could have been an elite. elite. And I understand Patrick Sertain has looked fabulous in preseason. I think he had like a zero passer rating allowed. and with a Absolute stuff. Absolute stuff. Do you think that when they passed on Fields, they still believe they had a shot at Aaron Rodgers. I 100% believe that's the case, and I actually Thanks. still think they have a case at Aaron Rodgers for the next offseason. Uh, but you got to look towards this season. Von Miller's only getting older. Casey Hayward's only getting older. Uh, Bryce Callahan's only getting older. Justin Simmons is only getting older. These guys aren't going to be here forever. Your time to compete or at least start trying to build a quarterback up to compete was now. Uh, I think now you're almost banking on – on Aaron Rodgers next offseason, or it's just going to be. Does anyone else find it weird okay. that a team ran by John Elway doesn't have a good quarterback? <laughs> and hasn't. Yeah. Never, hasn't. never has with him. Yeah, I mean, Peyton was hey. at the end of his career. They won Jay, Super Bowl, Jay Cutler was a really good player and probably played better in Chicago, but he was like, <laughs> it was like a moth to a flame. It's, with weird. Jay it's, like, it's almost like John Elway was the last. It's, it's weird. <laughs> but he's the last good quarterback in Denver, and now he's running the team. I mean, yeah, Peyton obviously was Yeah, Peyton was great. He, wasn't, he wasn't right. there long. It almost felt like he was he, he was still a Colts quarterback. He also set records in Denver. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for Javante Williams. As yeah. a Tar Heel fan, I, I think he is going to be their number one guy in the backfield. I hope so. So do I. I like, think there is no need to keep messing around with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, he was my number one running back coming out of this class above Najee Harris was Javante Williams. I think his his body control, his quickness, his elusiveness, everything about Javante was what I love to see in a, in a running back prospect. It was awesome that he went to the second round. I thought it was a good pick by Denver. I think they need to give him the reins as, as soon as they feel necessary to do so. I mean, Melvin Gordon's at the back tail of his career. He still was solid last year, but you don't know how much longer those legs are going to hold up. I'm all for Javante Williams. I, I just want this team to have a quarterback. Just figure it out. I, I want my Jerry Judy and my Javante Williams and my Colton Buttons in fantasy to do well. So can we not have necessarily Teddy Bridgewater be the last option? I'd appreciate I it. I do just want to throw out the friends close to Aaron Rodgers so you can book on the fact that he will be in New Orleans next year. He's tired of the cold. He's coming so down to saying. the bayou. So I'm not, hey, I'm not upset about that. I'm not <laughs> upset. Which, we knew you wouldn't be. Hey, New Orleans. I do want to. I do want to send my prayers to New Orleans right absolutely, now. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, uh, send out some feelers and send out some more feelers tomorrow to see if there's anything we can do to maybe go down and help once once the everything is cleared and, and you know it's safe for us to do so. Um, a- absolutely. So Matt, we can't thank you enough, dude, to join us. Um, we are. I have a lot of fantasy questions, <laughs> so I'm really excited to talk with you next week because I got a lot of stuff. I'm telling you, I'm taking down Fanduel this year. Oh, like we're, we're going to bankrupt him. I can't give you too much advice now. I'm in a league against you. so. Hey, that is true, but I'm talking daily. I'm taking them down. Oh, yeah. we're. I'm in the business of making money here. Yep. So we are it excited. Sounds like Jordan Belfort. <laughs> yeah. We are excited here. Uh, once again, uh, bet within your means. 1-800-BETS-OFF, just in case. But right. we are going to give you guys a lot of stuff. Matt's going to be a big part of that uh, to help you guys win your fantasy weekly leagues. 
to help you win your yearly leagues, but also to help hit some of those DFS, uh, pull down that money from FanDuel, DraftKings, Yahoo, whomever, wherever you play. Uh, Matt, we can't thank you enough, buddy, for coming on. It was awesome as always. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm 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 super excited for the season. Uh, I also want to throw I'm going to throw out there that if you are a best ball uh, fantasy player on uh, Underdog, uh, we have partnered with them over at League Winner. So if you want to, if you're a first time user of Underdog, you can get twenty five dollars up match. If you want to, if you like to do those where you could just draft, not have to set a lineup, it scores for you. You could put it into uh, the Best Ball Mania where you can win a million, or the Puppy where you can win up. I believe it's two hundred fifty thousand. So. If, you, if you're interested in that, make sure you check that out. But other than that, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited, Absolutely. I'm excited for the, 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 the kickoff. Let's do it. Absolutely. Nine days, and we'll get it going. And then Fantasy Football Friday start next week, which we're really excited about. Kelby, anything else you need to say to get us out of here? Uh, not much. I just Hopefully, the, I'm just rooting for Jameis Winston to do well. That's all I got. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Go Jameis. Go Saints. Uh, obviously, we'd like to say, again, what to echo what Matt said, thoughts and prayers to everyone, not just in New Orleans, but in that entire uh, southeast, southwest, yeah. Louis, southeast Louisiana, um, everybody down there who has been affected, we're thinking about you and sending out all of our good vibes. Uh, like we said, next week we do start Fantasy Football Friday, or Football Friday, so we, will, we are here. We will still be talking baseball, but we are here to help make you guys a lot of money. I don't know about all of you all. We like to make money. We like to win. Also, there's nothing more fun than to have a little money on the games when they start to hit on Saturdays and Sundays. A little money, not so, your whole thing. <laughs> so we are excited about that. Uh, once again, Matt, thanks again for joining us. You can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt2Frosty. He's a fantastic follow, especially if you are into football and you are into the fantasy side with, with football, baseball, basketball. Um, once again, lead writer at uh, FF League Winners, if you want to follow them as well on Twitter. So awesome. He's a fantastic resource. We're lucky to have him and we can't thank you enough listen here's the thing cardinals two and a half out let's have let's see what happens this weekend we've got the reds we we've double got header tomorrow double header tomorrow from the reds we go to we uh we go to milwaukee milwaukee, milwaukee. yeah and la comes home so and caleb starts new gig at as employee of uh st louis cardinals on monday the dodgers asked so i think what he's going to do is make sure that that tarp Rolls up on – no, I won't even say I'm just going to give a few suggestions. I'm <laughs> right. Gonna, I'm going to – no, I can't say that. Uh, like I said, once again, we, we can't thank you guys enough. Please find us on Twitter at more underscore noble. Uh, find us on your favorite uh, plot, podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating. One more time, T's and P's to everybody in New Orleans. We're thinking about you. Nola love, guys. Cheers. The more you know, the more you know, the more you know, it's the more you know.